have you ever wondered why the Bible is so confusing to understand? Or why Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end? You ever been curious as to why there's a New Testament and an Old Testament? Or what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure these are all questions that some of us have all asked at some point. So that's what Bible school is all about. We're going to go through the Bible and we're going to talk about the semantics of the why, the how, and most importantly, the who. If you'll ride this out with me, we're going to go cover to cover through the Bible and dig deep and see the mysteries that God has revealed to us through this beautiful love letter that he calls his word. You've just tuned in to Bible School with Reverend Kojo. Hey, good folks. Welcome to Bible School. We are back and we are continuing our conversation from the last time. Uh, the last time we started talking about Isaac, well, Isaac, Esau, and Jacob, as it concerns G- Jacob and Esau and that birthright, we watched and saw how uh, Jacob duped, in some words, uh, duped Esau out of his birthright. But we're going to see how it all really plays out when the time actually comes after um, I guess Esau seemingly forgets that he has given it away. Jacob has done no such thing, but he realizes that his father, uh, his father's favorite was Esau, but his mother's favorite was himself. And so we watch this whole thing play out. So I think before we dive into the scripture, it's really important that we remember what a birthright is. We remember that it is often given to the first son. Um, and that the first, the oldest son gets the double portion. So if a man has five sons, you can divide his estate into six pieces. All of the younger, the younger four brothers get um, one piece individually, and the oldest gets a double portion, or whom he decides to give the birthright to. Uh, the oldest is also endowed with whoever gets the birthright is endowed with the uh, headship of the family, which everybody considers prestigious. Everybody wants to be the head of the family. Uh, but he's also charged with this gut, this two having to be the priest of the family. And I think even in our today's age, people are, are, are real big on being the head of the family. I'm the, I run this. I'm the head of this house. I'm, I'm this, 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 this. But how many of us are actually the priest? How many of us are actually covering our households, praying for them daily, cover, teaching them the word that, you know, part of being the priest of the family is making sure that your children know the word. And so many people, men, will throw off onto the wife and say, well, that's, that's her job. Uh, but, but according to scripture, and this is old, old Testament. And so if your house don't work like this, you're not going to go to hell. But if, but if we're going based on this idea of the birthright, the oldest is endowed with this responsibility to make sure the family is doing right. Um, and has a, has a good understanding of what the word is. They're charged with the, the responsibility of their souls. I mean, that's, that's a hard, that's a large charge. You know, the old folks used to sing a charge to keep, uh, that's a large charge to keep. Um, and here's the thing, all of this stuff is good and wonderful, but it is not legitimate until it's confirmed by the father, uh, before he dies. And so often, uh, it's assumed that it goes to the firstborn. That is what is ritualistic. But the daddy has the opportunity to change his mind. If he wants to change his mind, if he finds favor, sees something in somebody else, or if God himself speaks and says, hey, this needs to go to so-and-so. Um, and so um, it can also, but here's the thing. Another thing is that the birthright could be forfeited through heinous offense. So we're talking about Jacob and Esau, but Jacob's oldest son, and we'll see that later in scripture, his name was Reuben. And so Reuben, uh, Reuben actually didn't get his birthright and Reuben didn't get his birthright because he was having relations with, 
a relative, and yeah, that's nasty. Um, but and, and apparently that's not that's not really <laughs> uh, that's not that, that was it was it's not wasn't good. And and you could argue, you can say, well, you know, it's other folks that did that. Yeah, well, in this case, it wasn't acceptable. Um, and I'm I'm kind of glad to see that. Now, uh, one other thing that I want you to remember from the last time is that the Holy Spirit kind of painted a contrast between Jacob and Esau. Esau was was a type of the unbeliever. The scripture says that he was a hunter. He was a skillful hunter. Um, and if with we can infer from that, if we want to dig between the lines, that he was a stranger to peace because hunters are not necessarily uh, peaceful men. They are killing men. Um, if, if it was a time of wars and it wasn't quite wars had not yet break it, broke out yet, but if it was a time of war, he would probably have been a soldier. Uh, but he was a hunter, which kind of insinuates that he was a stranger of peace. The only other scripture up until this point, uh, person in scripture that is referred to as a hunter is Nimrod. And if you remember when we talked about the table of Na- nations, the tower of Babel and all that stuff, and we t- make mention of Nimrod, Nimrod was not a good dude. Um, Nimrod was far everything that a good dude is not. Um, <laughs> and he was just not, he was not pleasing. And so when we look at, at Esau, even though Esau really doesn't do much wrong other than the fact that he sold his birthright, but he wasn't the conniver. Jacob was actually t- painted as the type of the believer, which is kind of disturbing to some, to some parts because Jacob was the conniver. He went behind his father's back. Him and his mother are scheming on how to steal the birthright. And, and I want you to remember this, that if, even if you don't want to take things in, if you, even if, if God says he's going to do something, He's faithful to perform it. You don't have to assist him in scheming a way to get around. God will open doors that were not even doors. God will cause uh, opportunities to present themselves that were not opportunities prior to him making a promise to you. And so often we want to step in and we want to take over and we want to prove um, we want to prove God's sovereignty through our sovereignty. Um, and that takes away some of the glory. You know, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I like to I like to think about these things. I'm curious. What if Jacob and Rebecca would not have tried to do? their father now sure uh his favorite was Esau and we'll see how he reacted later his favorite was Esau and it was probably in his heart and in his intent to go and gift him with all the goodness but even in in all of that goodness uh I believe that if God wanted Jacob to have something and he wanted things to be given through going through Jacob God would have done what he wanted period. You don't have to assist God in making your plans happen or his plans happen. He wrote it from the end of the beginning, which means that he wrote a route. Um, and his route is not going to, is usually not going to include, um, you doing wrong. Now God will use what you did wrong for his glory. Just like he will take Satan trying to slam a door in your face and cause it to be the best thing that could have ever happened to you. I mean, God is, God is a, yeah, I, I love how crafty he is and, and the doors that he can create. And you remember God is a creator. Um, and to some of you, we somewhat are creators, but we have to use his creation to create. God was, God is the only being that completely creates. He could speak and something that was never in existence that had no materials that existed and he can cause them to come into being. Okay. Um, and so, but I also, as we talk about this idea of the, of the birthright, when Esau gives away his birthright, um, what he's saying is, I can't live on promises. I can't live on on, on these things that you say. I, I live on things that are carnal. Um, and it, it kind of continues to paint him, Esau, as this unbeliever, as this carnal figure. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that it paints Jacob as this believer, um, even though he is kind of a type of a believer. But 
it paints Esau very carnal. And, and so a lot of us, you know, and, and we kind of, I guess we get split into two, two camps. Either you are really into uh, the promises and you're like, oh, praise God for the promises. I'm standing in faith. And I hope that you are as a Christian. Um, but if you're not, a lot of us have issues believing in promises because we can't touch it. And that's why a lot of people have issues believing God. <laughs> Because you can't see him, you can't touch him. Oh boy, I can feel him sometimes, but you can't always see him. You may be able to see him working, but you can't physically see him. And so Esau is like this perfect representation of what carnality looks like. Because usually when we think of carnality, we think of a blunt for sin. We think of sin like killing. We think of sin like evil. Um, but some, but sin in in sin of omission is just as bad as sin of commission. So sin of disbelief. Disbelief is just as bad as you going out and duping somebody. You, you're trying to get behind somebody. So we're going to find ourselves in verse 1 today of uh, chapter 27 of Genesis. We are plunging through Genesis, y'all. I'm, I'm really, really excited. and We're finding some really amazing things, remarkable things here in Scripture. I think we're going to try to make it through um, 27, 28, but we're definitely going to make it through 27 today. Got a good bit to talk about. I'm excited about the word. Okay. So when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, he said, here I, here I am. He answered, Isaac said, I am now an old man. Don't know the day of my, and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and your bow and go out into the open country to some, to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me some kind, kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So it looks, you know, it looks like if you're just reading scripture and you're not familiar with the story, you haven't done the deep historical uh, research, you're not familiar with the, um, the, the birthright, you could miss that what he's, his, by saying he's going to bless him, that he's saying that he's just going to, you know, go in peace, bless him like that, or that he's going to give him some money. He, if you don't understand the Jewishness of this passage of scripture, you will miss the fact that what he's about to bless him with is his birthright. The thing that both the boys have been waiting on most of their lives. And as they realize their father has taken ill and he's not sure uh, when it is, he's going to pass, which probably means it's close. Um, we, we see that he's about to endow him with the the birthright. He says, so go make me my favorite meal. And, uh, you know, you know, the way that I taught you to make it, the way I told you to hunt them, I want you to go and show me how well I've taught you. Uh, and he's um, he's actually referring to the confirmation of the birthright. You remember, that's one of those those in order to get the birthright, the father has to confirm it. So verse five is this is where we see that mess start come happening. <laughs> uh, now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hope hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son, Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, it, it, now I want I want to say this. I know I've said it. I think I've said it in this podcast. I said in the last podcast, it was predestined that Jacob would get the birthright. Um when we see them coming out of the out of the womb, when Esau comes out of the womb, we see Jacob grabbing his heel as if they were wrestling for who would come out first. It was already predestined that it was Jacob was to have the birthright. But in in these statements and in this preparation that we're about to see, they are taking the glory from God. I am always curious to see how God can go around and make things work for his good and for his glory. Um, 
And they kind of took that away thinking that they were smarter. And, 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 and in a spiritual situation, they got carnal. Um, and so Esau is not the only carnal person right here. It's just that in practice and in, in his personality, that's who he is. Uh, but they were very carnal people. They could see the things in front of them and they saw the, the, the signs, you know, and, and often we, we're taught to follow our gut and I believe in following my gut. I'm here for it. If my gut says something, usually I'm right. Um, I do sit back and watch and I do take a decision making process, but usually in my gut, I've already made the decision. And typically my gut will line up with my decision making process sometimes, not always. Um, but what we see is we, we, we're looking at this thing and they have first, they've taken the glory from God, but, but God has already predestined Jacob. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter because God is going to get his way anyway. Okay. Uh, but then we, 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 we go ahead and we look at this. He says, now my son, listen carefully to what I tell you, go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way that he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so he may give you the blessing before he dies. So she's on his side. She's like, you're my favorite. I want you to get the blessing. And, and, you know, we don't know if God has been dealing with Isaac saying, Hey, I know that your favorite is Esau, but you need to give the blessing to Jacob. But we know that his intention is to give it to Esau. Um, regardless of what God is predestined, anything, his intention is to give it to the firstborn because that is a tradition and B that is his favorite. But what I'm, I'm looking at in scripture, y'all, um, in the King James, now there is different, it's different here in this new living translation or the NIV, whatever I'm in. But in the new, in the, in the, in the King James, he tells him to go out and get some venison. Um, and then, <laughs> then Rebecca says, go get some goats. And, <laughs> and, and, and so when she says, go get some goats, I was sitting there a little confused because venison and goats, I don't think they taste the same. Now I'm not a big fan of either one of them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a chicken beef seafood kind of person. Um, I eat a lot of pork too, but I, I don't really eat too much goat and I don't eat too much venison. Uh, but, but here in, in this, 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 this translation of scripture makes a little more sense. Um, but he, so he says, he says, go get some game. And so she, he sends him out to go hunting. And so venison probably is what he was going to get or something similar. Uh, but he goes out to go hunting, but, but she sends Jacob close by, but she sends, you know, Jacob is sent, is sent close, but Esau is sent far. Um, and so we know that Esau is going to turn slower uh, because he's going out to actually go and do what his father's asked. And we see Rebecca and um, Jacob trying to dupe him. And here, here's the thing is that Jacob has help. He says, we're going to cook it just the way that your daddy likes it. We're not going to cook it the way that I like it. We're not going to cook it this way, but we're going to prepare this just the way that your father likes it. And so we're going to make sure that you still have the upper hand, even if things don't go according to our plan. Um, because he's going to like the food even more, you know, the way to, um, when a man's heart is through his stomach, uh, we kind of see that there. Um, and that's just me being a little lighthearted. So, uh, verse 11, Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have spooled skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. And then his mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go and get them for me. 
So we see we see Jacob. Jacob's concern here, and I, I want to be very clear, is not with righteousness. It's not with not with tricking his father. He is really down with tricking his father. He just doesn't want to get caught tricking his father. Kind of like a lot of people now, they get in trouble. And it's not, they're sorry not because they did something. They're sorry because they got caught. The tears are not because they're, um, that they're really remorseful for what they did, but they're remorseful for, um, the fact that people know that they they've done it, they they have dropped their cover. Uh, people are, are are confused. We can see that in the political arena arena all day. People have been doing backdoor deals all this time, but the moment that a backdoor deal goes forward, you see the remorse, or you see these excuses come about. You don't want to be perceived as something. You don't want curse to fall upon you. But that does not change your actions. And so we see even here, all up and through this house, it's a heart problem. There's a heart issue up and through everybody. We got issues going all through this but this is just an analysis uh chapter verse 14 and he says so he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it then rebecca rebecca took the best clothes of esau her older brother which she had in the house and put them on her younger son jacob uh she also covered his hands and smooth parts of his neck with goat skins um then she handed her, to her son jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made when uh he went to his father and said my father Yes, my son. He answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some some of my game so that you would give me your blessing. Isaac asked the son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? Then he said, The Lord gave me success. Now look, they're playing with fire. He's playing with fire at this point. Because first, my first thing question, and we're going to see it get answered here, my first question would be, um, a daddy knows his children's voice. Like, I, you, you know your children's voice. And, you know, if you live with people, you know them. Uh, I have I have a, a very similar voice to my mother. And and often people confuse us. And I get confused with my dad on the phone sometimes, depending uh, which phone I answer. Um, but I have a com- very similar uh, tone with my mother. People really confuse us all the time. And because people confuse us all the time, even, you know, every now and then my father or my, my sister will, will get it mixed up, but rarely do they because they know how we place our words. So even though our dialect sounds the same and even though we have a very similar timbre um, and, and from time to time, mine has a little southern sway and a little bit more deepness. Uh, but for the most part, the way that we, we speak is different. The way that we sound is the similar, but the way that we place our words, our vocabulary is different. Um, even the way that we attack our words is different. And so, but they only, they would know these things because they spent so much time with us in the house. Right. Um, and so what we see, (laughs) what we see is Jacob, Jacob, I mean, Isaac is getting a little suspicious, but he is still going on because he can't see, you know, he's blind at this point. So he's going off of the things that he, he knows about the past, (laughs) And so he says, how did you find it so quickly? Because, you know, you think about it, him, him and um, Isaac and Esau were hunters. You know, they go out, they went out together. They knew that there was a process. It takes time. And you just came back in here with some meat. How? <laughs> how? <laughs> Help. And then Isaac, I mean, Jacob plays with the Lord. He says, the Lord gave me success. Uh, you playing with fire. Don't blame stuff. on God. Don't, don't, don't put God in your mess. And then he says, the Lord, your God gave me success. Like he, he was playing with God. Like, um, and then, 
Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you. So you can tell that there's a little, Isaac is sitting here like, wait a minute. I know I can't see, but something about this don't make sense. But I know that one of my boys has been hairy since day one. (laughs) And so if I can feel his skin and I'm familiar with him, yeah, okay. And then later we're going to see that Esau stunk. And so if I can smell the raiment (laughs) in in my boy, I know that's my boy. Um, <laughs> and then he, he says, come in there so I can touch you, my son, and know whether you really are not a son Esau. So Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, the voices of Jacob. And he knew, look, he came in the room. He knew that Jacob was trying to get over him. He had a feeling in his gut. Um, and so that's why he was, he was on the edge a little bit. Uh, but the hands are of Esau. So it must be Esau. Verse 23, he says, but he did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? So he gives him one more chance to tell him the truth. Look, I, I'm looking at this. I, I'm sitting here. I know I can't see. And uh, this doesn't make sense. Now, I'm going to be real with you. I was I, I lost my vision for about five days one time, about two, three years ago. And and life is different when you can't see. You recognize people's voices. Yes, you do. Um, but the way that you have to feel around for things is different. You Your sense of touch is very much so heightened. You are very aware of when people walk in the room and how close they are and what they're doing or if they're doing something. Um <laughs> And so I can imagine his, his senses are heightened. He's sitting in this room like, okay, something about this is off. But I've got, I just promised my boy that I would bless him. I'm going to be good to my word. I think it's Esau. It don't sound like Esau, but it feels like Esau. So it must be Esau. Uh, verse verse 20, 23, he said he, I, he didn't recognize him for his hands were hairy like the brother of Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Then he gives him one last chance. He says, look, be real with me. Are you really my son Esau? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know how Esau feels, but I also know how Esau sounds, and he don't sound like him. And and he lies once more. He says, "I am," and he replied. Then he said, "My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing." Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he drank some wine. He brought some wine. He drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, "Come here, my son, and kiss me." So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son, it smells like a field. (laughs) That Lord, that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and the earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. And so that that's that's prophecy right there because he thinks he's speaking it over Isaac, but he's speaking it over Jacob. Um, and then, but that last little bit says a lot. He says, "Be the Lord over your brothers." And so you're now the younger. This not this prophecy fulfilled. You remember earlier when she was pregnant with the boys, and and she, and she asked the Lord if it is well. Why am I like this? And the Lord says, "Because two nations are in your womb. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger." Right now. The prophecy is being fulfilled. He says, be the Lord over your brothers. And so he's speaking it. You know, your words have have power. The, the conference of such a blessing has power. He says, be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. Um, and may those who curse you be cursed. Now, in a minute, we're about to see Esau curse Jacob. Esau is about to be 
49 hot. He is about to be livid. And and he definitely going to be speaking curse over his brother. And we're going to see that later in scripture when they start talking about the Edomites. Remember, I told you, remember, the red meant Edom. And Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Um, and we're going to see how that plays off in biblical history. Uh, but moving on, verse 30, after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son. He answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And he indeed will be blessed. Isaac trembled violently. And so I, I have two theories on why Isaac trembled violently. I, I think Isaac trembled violently firstly. First, because he was upset. He was angry that he had been tricked. Nobody likes to be tricked. He's been connived. But I think second, that he's realizing that what God wants to do, God is going to do. And the fear of the Lord, I believe, I believe that that is where, I think that is where we see in the hall of faith uh, in Hebrews 11, why he is accounted to be a man of faith. Because he could have rescinded his words. He could have said, well, I'm going to bless Esau and dealt violently with Jacob. But because he was a man of faith, he let his word stand, and he trusted that God would do what he wanted to do. Um, verse 34, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. Uh, but he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't the rightly name? isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered, Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's rushes, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off from your neck. So basically he's going to be serving. But after a while, after a while, the him and not necessarily him, but his family, his family line, will um will uh, find they'll they'll get from above Jacob, Jacob's line after a while. Well, prophecies for sit fulfilled, um and 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 I I want us to look at this, Second uh, Samuel um, chapter eight verse fourteen, he put garrisons throughout Edom and all the Edomites came sub became subject to David. The Lord gave David wherever he went. So we know Edomites are the descendants, the direct descendants of Esau. Um, David is a direct descendant of Jacob. Uh, and so right here we're seeing not only the prophecy fulfilled in their lifetime, but the prophecy fulfilled on a greater um, level. When we start looking at these families in Genesis, not only are the promises that are made unto them made unto them, but they're made unto them for generations. I mean, hundreds of generations over and over and over and over and over again. And so not only is it a genera a blessing from God right there, um, um, 
not not only is it a blessing for them right there, right then, or in their lifetime, if it comes in their lifetime, but it, it stands for years. And, you know, that's how we know that the word of the Lord stands uh, for generations to come. Um, and, and we see that play again. And so, you know, I was wondering, we I saw that prophecy fulfilled, but also Hebrews eleven twenty by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And I know I pointed it out earlier, but it took me a minute to understand why, why would he be accounted to a man of faith? Like he just was doing what he normally did, but he was like, if you missed it, he was counted uh, faithful or full of faith because when, when he was duped and when he, when things happened, he didn't renege his word. He stood on the word. He stood on his word, not in the word of God. He stood on his word. And he was faithful to what happened. And although it happened, he stood behind what he said. He didn't rescind his words. And he just trusted that things would work out for the good of him. Uh, and then, you know, when we look at Rebecca, right? We look at Rebecca, it can it, it can make you a little frustrated. You're like, you conniving little thing. Ain't that a quarrelsome wife? You know, they talk about in Proverbs, it's better to live in a corner of the roof <laughs> than to live in a house with a quarrelsome wife. Uh, Romans two, one, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. And this is, this is, this is a message to us for at whatever point you judge one another, you are condemning yourself because you have passed judgments to do the same things. So in other words, um, we don't have the right to judge her. And as frustrated as we get, I'm looking at this thing like this. Wait, wait, what you mean? <laughs> this is this is a mess. This is a mess. She she caused some chaos. But apparently that's what God, you know, he didn't necessarily want the chaos, but this is this is the outcome that he wanted. This is who he wanted to have what he gave. So we get some lessons learned. It's a lot of lessons that we learn here. So the first thing that we kind of we learn here is that Esau was guilty of barring divine privilege for carnal gratification. Um, and, and, you know, and it was big, it was like his divine privilege was his birthright. It was to be the head of the, the household. Um, but some of us, we do, we, we give up our divine privilege for carnal gratification all the time. Some, some, some of us sleep in on Sunday, don't go to church and then have the audacity to say that we know the Lord knows our heart. And y'all know how I feel about that. Um, and our carnal gratification is staying in the bed. Uh, but we give away the divine privilege to, uh, fellowship with other Christians to be in the presence of God, to, to have some carnival gratification. Uh, for me, that's, that's the mornings that if I, when five o'clock comes around, I'd be like, God, I can't do it. And I roll back over carnal gratification. Um, we, that's, that's when you're in the middle of a fast and you, you quit your fast because <laughs> you say, I can't do it. <laughs> um, so some of us, that's when we have sex outside of marriage. Lord, I can't do it. <laughs> carnal gratification. Um, and so we, you know, often we give up, you know, we look at Esau like, how could you, how could you, how could you, when we do it all the time. Now, what your carnal, your divine privileges and your carnal gratification are, that's between you and God. And it may not be mine. Your issues may be different than mine, um, but we all do it. We all do it. And the, the goal is not is to get to a place where we don't. But at this, most of us have an issue with on some level of doing it. Number two is that I, I don't think that you have to help God. You don't have to help God. That's what we saw Rebecca do. If Rebecca wouldn't have devised a plan, God would have worked out his way. And I really am curious what he would have done if they wouldn't have stepped in. And I know us humans, we are made to try to solve problems. We want us to go see how this thing's going to work. We're curious how this, all, we're curious about all this stuff. But I'm, I'm curious about how God would have flipped that situation if they would have just been, they, everybody in the house would have just been obedient and stayed in their lane. I want to see, I'm curious how what would have happened. 
Number, another lesson that we learn, and we actually learned it from Isaac, is don't be blind to your own affections to what God wants to do. Isaac was stuck on Esau because he bonded with Esau, but God was stuck on Jacob. Um, Isaac wasn't sensitive to the prophecies of God because it was already prophesied that the, the younger would rule the older. Um, and it was and, and it was made plain, it was made clear. Um, but so don't be blind to your own effects. Sometimes we're so stuck on what we want uh, that we miss what God wants to do. We're so stuck and we, we decide that we're going to make decisions based on what we want and not on what God is calling us to. We're so, we're so stuck on, well, I want the house. And so I, because I want the house, I'm going to do X, Y, Z to get the house. And God just said, seek me. You can get the house, the wife and everything else. Uh, but because we're so stuck on the house, we, we miss things. Uh, number four is that Jacob did Jake. I'm asking the question. Did Jacob earn the blessing? Jacob did not earn the blessing. Nope. Uh, something worthy of, and that's a moment that we can be grateful for. We can be really grateful for that. Um, that Jacob did not earn the blessing that he received. And often we, we, we don't earn a lot of the blessings, the, the promotions, the relationships, the love, the grace, the mercy, the patience that we receive. Uh, but he still endows us with it anyway. Um, and, and I think that's a blessing to something that we should ex- appreciate God for, that we should just be grateful for because we don't deserve anything. But yet he blesses us, yet he keeps us, yet he is faithful to us. You know, Jay, and here's the thing. Jacob found acceptance of his father um, by hiding behind the name of the firstborn and beloved son. Then he was clothed in the clothes of the firstborn. Now, y'all think about this. This is a type of Christ. Think about this. Jacob found acceptance by hiding of, of his father, by hiding behind the name of the firstborn beloved son, he was clothed in his clothes and he, he hid behind his name. There's a firstborn son in the New Testament that came about 2000 years ago, whose name I hide behind daily, whose clothes, who I'm clothed in his righteousness because mine is not strong enough. And I'm clothed in his clothes, and he's the firstborn beloved son. It was the Lord's only begotten son, whose name I hide behind all the time, all day. And so I just, I, I say it, I'll say it again, and like I say it all the time, just like the book of Genesis is a book of record, it is a book of prophecy, and I believe this is a prophecy, this is a type, a model to get us ready and our minds primed to understand what is going to happen in the New Testament. Okay, because you remember, think about it. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ um, and, and how that worked. You think about it. I know Esau was upset. You know, he wasn't as gracious as Jesus. And it, there's no expectation for him to be. He wasn't as gracious as Jesus. He didn't take his punishment uh, too well. Uh, but we see Esau, who seemingly does nothing, takes the grunt of everything so that Jacob can have. And he it wasn't willing. It wasn't willing like like Jesus was. Like he didn't get on the on the cross. Uh Esau was actually quite angry and we're gonna see that in just a moment um about the things that have unfolded and unwrapped. But I do find it incredibly interesting how the how this all works up and works out. Okay. Uh, and then there's a little bit of irony. Uh Rebecca who engineered the plot was responsible for sending Jacob away for 20 years. She, she now she's gonna pay for her wall, the wrong that he hit her with, um, but but Jacob she and we'll see that in just a second because um, when Esau gets upset in a minute they gonna send Jacob away because <laughs> Esau was coming for bloody murder um and it says you're gonna send him away for a few days but that twenty that those few days actually is twenty years and we are led to believe that um, that is he, she's not gonna see him again in her her lifetime um, and so that's kind of her retribution or her paying for her wrong. Okay, because she pays for her wrong, 
in in ways that only hurt a mother. A mother loves her children, so they crave to have, be around their children. Uh, not only does she crave to be around her children, this is her favorite son. This is the son with whom she bonded. This is the son with whom she spent time. And now she she has to be the one that tells him that he has to go away. And he has to go away and be with Laban, her brother, uh, who is far away from them. And so um, I think that was her that was her payment. That's how how she had to deal with her wrongdoing in the situation. But second, here's some more irony is that Laban rips him off. You remember he, and and you may not recall, but I will get there. Laban um, is the father of this girl, this beautiful, beautiful woman, Rachel. Jacob is going to lay eyes on this woman and he going he going to say God <laughs> can I have that one <laughs> and I, whatever I got to do to get that one that's the one that I want and uh Lord if you would be so kind if I got to work 7 years I work 7 years for that one because that one is the oh God how did you when you made that one how did you make that one that's that's kind of <laughs> what's going on with with him when he sees him but Rachel Laban I mean Rachel is not the firstborn and uh, Leah is not that attractive. And so nobody's really landing, lining up to take Rachel, um, Leah home. And so when after he's worked his seven years to get the hand of Rachel, Leah, uh, he gives him Leah at the altar. And if I look, if I was Jacob, I would be ready to fight. <laughs> you say, wait, wait, uh-uh, this is not, this is, mm-mm. now here's the irony in all of this is that Laban rips off Jacob in the same manner that, uh, the, in the same manner that Jacob rips off his father and rips off Esau. He, um, he, he, he follows the law of the birthright. The oldest, um, is to, is to be betrothed first. And I know that you don't have much respect for this, but I'm going to show you. Uh, I know I promised you the other one, but you're not the old. This is not the oldest. So I'm going to give you uh, my oldest. Now, if you want the other one, you can work for seven years and get her. But no, that's not how it's going to work. And so uh, Jacob naturally gets upset. And I would have been upset, too. Or we would have, um, you know, I know you're supposed to respect your elders. So maybe I'm to say that. But yeah, I would have been ready to fight. I may not have fought him, but we—I would have been. I would have been upset. You—you you look at this. You done fell in love with this beautiful woman. I mean, this beautiful woman. This woman. You—you you don't want nobody else. You looking at everybody else, and ain't nobody comparing to this woman. And you mean to tell me <laughs> you gonna give me somebody else, and she's not even attractive? Uh-uh. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> not gonna work. Um, another, another piece of irony in a little bit, we're going to see that Jacob's name is going to become Israel. Um, and guess who he's a type of, he's a type of Israel. He's just like Israel, like he's going to just, just like Israel. Now, what's really interesting to me and we'll get there later, but, um, Israel, all, all these people get different names throughout the Bible, right? We see that Saul becomes Paul. We see that Abram becomes Abraham. We see that Sarai becomes Sarah. We see all these people who get different names. The name sticks. You don't see them mentioned in the Bible as anybody else because they have had a life change. Jacob don't quite work that way. <laughs> we see that when he is righteous and doing what God has called him to do, we re- he's referred to as Israel. When he is uh, not doing right, he's Jacob. When when people you remember when they refer to him by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he's carnal, uh, he was referred to Israel when he's doing right, but apparently he doesn't do right too much, um, and I think that that is, I'm not telling you not to do much, but I think that's a blessing to us 
that even in our wrongness, God will still preserve us and keep us. All right. Uh, now, another, another bit of irony is that Jacob is given an earthly inheritance, and so does Israel. You know, they're promised land, they're promised prestige, they're promised a rule on the earth, they're promised a king. Um, their inheritance is earthly, and so does Jacob. Again, I believe they're a type or a model of Israel. Um, now, Jacob, Jacob valued the promises of God that he sought in carnal ways. I think we're guilty of it, but I also think that the Pharisees, I think a very good model of that is the Pharisees. Um, Jacob valued the promise of God. He wanted the promise of God, and he was willing to do most things, but the way that he was willing to go about it was very carnal. So he was coveting uh, spiritual promise, uh, but he was trying to use a carnal means. It was kind of like them at Babel when they decided they were going to build a ladder. They were seeking to disprove a spiritual matter in a physical way. It doesn't work that way. Two different realms. It doesn't work that way. Um, but we look at Jacob when Jacob, we talk about Jacob valuing the promise of God in carnal ways. Whenever he's in exile, he doesn't build an altar. Uh, when he gets, he gets wealthy, he's chasing after wealth. And I don't have a problem with that. I, I am, I am a pursuer of wealth. I'm not a lover of wealth, but I am a pursuer of wealth. Um, he's a blessing to the the Gentiles, which is not a problem. None of this is a problem. Um, where the altar party is. But he is stuck on pursuing the promise of God in carnal ways, and he's going to come up short most times, just about every time, unless God outright wants to bless him. And then we see God's, um, we see what in this story, we see God's principle of retribution. Now, we know Hebrews 2, 2, uh, 2, 2, it says, For the message that was spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience was received, received its just punishment. In other words, you're going to reap what you saw. Uh, you're going to get back what you what you say. But some people like, but does it really work that way? Um, we know that Job 4, 8 says, he says, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. And so the question is like, does God really do that whole eye for eye thing? And so I, I'm going to, I'm willing to ask you, uh, Pharaoh, y'all take, take it back to Pharaoh in Exodus 1, 2, and 2, when uh, Pharaoh gave his order to all the people, every Hebrew boy that is born must throw it, be thrown into the Nile and let every girl live. He's drowning all of the Hebrew boys. Well, how did the Egyptian soldiers die? All the Egyptian soldiers uh, drowned in the Red Sea. Eye for an eye. Looks like it to me. Y'all remember that evil woman Jezebel um, in 1 Kings uh, 21. Uh, 19. It says, say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood. Dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Um, and if you'll recall... Uh, you know, Jezebel was evil. So she went and stole Naboth's, uh, Naboth's stuff. And then when she stole his stuff, she had him killed. And then the dogs ate him up in the play, in, in, in the same square. In that very same spot, we see the dogs attack her and eat up her body and lick her wounds. Um, and so, yeah, God is, God, he seems to do that. And when we see it, we see it work, work out. We see that uh, Jacob gets set up by Laban. In the same form in which he messed up. We see uh, Jacob is set up by his sons to be deceived about his favorite. So you remember, like, Isaac's favorite was Esau, but they, they lied about it. Uh, Jacob lies. And so then Jacob is set up by his own sons uh, when it comes to Joseph. Joseph was the son of his old age. And Joseph, uh, jo they go and they fake Joseph's death and they lie about it. 
Um, and so he's deceived by his sons. And I'm sure it probably just goes on and on and on until somebody decides to stop <laughs> acting a <the> fool. <laughs> All right, we got a few more verses in this chapter, and then we'll, we'll, move, we'll stop uh, for the day. Um, Esau. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing of his father he had given. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. So Esau is not mad. Like Jesus, I know that we said that um, he was a model of Christ in some ways in, 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 in just a little bit, but he is not Christ by any means. Like we, he's still that carnal dude. <laughs> he's still the hunter. He is mad. Oh, he is mad. But re- when Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent him to her for your younger son, Jacob, to say, look, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now, then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once and go to my brother uh, Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. Okay, so but check this out. Look, at first, it wasn't, it wasn't a private matter that Esau was married. Esau made his, his, his plans public. Look, I'm going to kill him when I see him. Uh, let me roll up on Jacob. It's over. I'm, I'm taking him out of him. My twin, my brother. Oh, well, he wasn't acting like my twin and my brother just a little bit ago. He's got to go. We taking him up and out. It's, it's over. It's over. He was mad. Um, and then so when his mother sends him away, it ends up being 20 years. Um, and she didn't see her favorite son for the rest of, of her life. And so then we see that, that, that God's law of retribution coming back full circle all again. Uh, verse 44, when your brother is no longer angry, angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from here. And why should I lose both of you in one day? Um, and so she assumed <laughs> that her brother was going to calm, that his brother was going to calm down. And apparently that did not happen in her lifetime. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living, living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a woman from among the women from the land, from the Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. And then that takes us back to remember that Esau took two wives from the thorn of, and that was the thorn of the flesh from Rebecca. You know, the mamas are protective of their boys, boy. They don't want to marry and just know anybody. Um, and so, uh, we see we see an issue. So we'll pick up right there at the beginning of chapter 28 the next time. Uh, remember, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for us to re- hold, hold on to here in this story. Um, I, he, he was very, very thorough when we see um, all of the blessings and all the wonders that he gave us here. All right. So this has been Genesis 28, and this is Bible School, and I'm Reverend Kojo. Y'all be blessed.